0: It is August and my family is just back from our August vacation. Every year we spend a week in Michigan and we love it. We look forward to it throughout the year. We spend the week mostly on the beach, hanging out with each other. We eat lots of ice cream and play games as a family. It's really something that we anticipate all year long. We've been doing it about eight or nine years. Every year, right at the beginning of the trip, we get the van all packed up. We back out of the driveway. And it seems like just a few blocks away from home, a voice comes from the back of the van. It's one of the kids saying, how long until we get there? Any parents experience this? Are we there yet? How many more miles do we have to go? And I have to remind the kids that we're not even to I-88 yet. It's gonna be several hours before we get to Michigan. They can't help themselves though. They're so excited. They're experiencing joy because they know how wonderful the week is going to be. Now when we gather together as Christians to worship in God's house, is that the kind of anticipation we have? Do we have that sort of excitement, that are we there yet? How much longer kind of excitement? It's been months since we've been able to worship together in God's house, in one of our campuses because of this pandemic. But very quickly, in just a few weeks, on September 13th, we're again going to have in-person worship indoors. It's months in the making. Are you excited about this? Is there anticipation? Even because of health reasons, maybe you won't be there. Even if that's the case, is there this longing to be with your sisters and brothers in God's house praising the Lord? Or could you take it or leave it back before the pandemic? Did you just go through the motions on Sunday morning? Well, we're supposed to go to church. We're Christians, so that's what we're going to do. Was that the attitude? Was that the feeling? Or were the emotions overwhelming, excitement and joy, longing to be in God's house to worship his people? We're going to talk about Psalm 84 today. This is a psalm written by someone who could not wait to worship God in his house. It was all that he could think about day and night worshiping the Lord, getting to his house with other people, sisters and brothers, praising the Lord. And I think it's a model for us as we prepare for in-person, indoor worship again. What is our attitude? Are we looking forward to it? Are we craving it? Or are we just going through the motions? Can we take it Or leave it in Psalm 84 and go ahead take out a Bible now I want you to even though we're gonna put the verses on the screen go ahead take out a Bible this is a good habit for you to have all of us need this whether you look at it on your phone or your tablet or you have a hard copy like me take out Psalm 84 the first thing we're gonna see the first encouragement this morning is God's people should desire to worship him in his house We should crave gathering together as sisters and brothers indoors in a worship space to sing praises to the Lord. We should look forward to this all week long. On Saturday night, we should go to bed excited about Sunday morning. When we wake up on Sunday, we should say, we can't wait to get there. This is a day that we get to praise the Lord with other believers. That's exactly what this psalmist does. In Psalm 84, we'll begin right at the beginning of the psalm. He is talking about God's temple. That's where he would have worshipped in his day. He's talking about the place where all ancient Jews would come together to worship the Lord and pray and offer their sacrifices. This is where they worshipped collectively as a group of people, as one people of God. And he can't wait to get there. Here's what he says. Listen to this imagery, this poetry. Feel the emotion that the writer of this psalm is experiencing. He says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Let's pause there. This psalmist yearns to be in God's house to worship him. I asked you to pay attention to the emotion here that you can feel oozing out of this psalm. He can't wait to get to the temple. There's nothing that he can think about other than this, being with God's people, worshiping him in his house. This is an encouragement for all Christians to be excited about worshiping God in a church service with other believers. Now, you've heard a lot during the pandemic about the church is the people, it's not the building. And in many respects, that's true. In many ways, I wouldn't argue with that. We are Christ's church. But that doesn't mean that there isn't something special or sacred about sisters and brothers in Christ gathering together in a building that is set apart for worship to God. Meaning it, I mean emotionally from the depths of our souls getting involved in praising God and doing it in a room with other people. There is something honorable about that. I think it brings joy to the Lord even as it brings joy to us and every single one of us should want. Again, the the building isn't sacred in and of itself, but there is something about a church service in which God's people say, we are setting apart this time to worship God with one another. We could be doing all sorts of other things. Other people do other things when we're worshiping in church. But we gather together to honor the Lord by offering our praises to him together. And there's something beautiful about that. This psalmist says he yearns for the courts of the Lord. There is nothing else, it seems, that he would rather do. It's a call to all of us to have an attitude check, to look at our motives, to say, when we, September 13th, gather in person, or whenever you're able to gather in person in a building again. Are we doing it for the right reasons? Are we doing it because of our love of God and each other and because we want to worship together? Do we feel that this is sacred? Or again, as I mentioned earlier, are we just going through the motion? The psalmist yearns to worship the Lord in his temple. This ancient temple in Israel He sees it as something to be prized, something to be valued, even so much that he's jealous of the birds who've made their home in the temple walls. He wishes he could be them. Look at verse 3. This is what he says. This is great. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Even the birds are blessed because they get to stay in your house all the time. He talks about the people who dwell in God's house, singing. The temple singers who are there day and night offering praises to the Lord. It's their job to be in the temple serving the Lord and honoring him with their praises. He wishes that this could be him. He wishes he never had to leave the temple, but that he could be there all the time. Christians, is this our attitude about in person worship in the house of the Lord? We need to check ourselves. Do we have that same desire, that same longing, that same craving? As we look around whichever campus we attend and we see a bird's nest here or there, are we jealous of that bird? (laughs) That it gets to hang around God's house all the time? We should love worshiping the Lord together in his house. All of God's people should desire this. And we should also understand that God's blessing is on those who desire to be in his house. We actually get something from this. God is favorable to us. The psalmist likely lived well outside of Jerusalem and he would have only come to the temple a few times a year. He would have done this for various festivals. And on that pilgrimage, when he's on his way to the temple, and in all those weeks and months beforehand, he's still thinking about how great it is going to be when he gets there. He uses this imagery of blessing. He talks about a dry time when he desires the Lord, but he can't get to the temple, and how God brings the rain, brings the fruitfulness. That's the picture that he's trying to paint here. While he's away and while he's on his way to the temple, he's saying God is going to bring blessing to him. He's going to give him joy. He's going to bring happiness to him. In verse 5, this is what he says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, he's talking about a a dry place here, painting the imagery of a place where they are not in God's presence, not in God's temple with his people. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Early rain also covers it with pools. He's saying, God, I feel dry when I am not in your house, but even as I am on my way, it is though wonderful, torrential, life-giving rains come. So much so that we go from a desert space to a place where there's water pooling up all over the place. He's talking about the state of his heart as he thinks about getting to God's house. He says in verse seven, they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. One of the things that helps us to long to be in God's house, to make us crave it even throughout the week, to enjoy worshiping with God's people inside in a worship space is knowing that God uses that time. He uses it in our souls. He feeds us. As we gather together and shout our praises to him and study his word and pray together, enjoying being with one another to worship the Lord God accepts that worship, accepts that praise, and the Holy Spirit works in our souls to feed us, to give us what we need, to be nourished in our souls, to grow as followers of Jesus Christ. That's the blessing that the psalmist is talking about here going from dry land to flowing streams that make pools of water. This is what happens when we're in God's house, worshiping together. He knows it and that's one of the many reasons why he is yearning to be in God's house. Again, he was probably there only a few times a year, not like us where when there's no pandemic, we get to worship together in person, in a worship space, in one of our campuses, every single week. For this psalmist, it was only a few times a year. He longed for it, and when he got there, there was all sorts of things that went on, prayer and sacrifice. Certainly they sang. One of the prayers that was offered, and I think this is a word for you and for me, though it is a difficult word. God's people, when they are gathered together in his house, should pray for their leaders. Again, there are lots of things that happen when we're gathered together, just like they were for this ancient writer. Lots of things that happen when we're gathered together in God's house. But one of the things that we should do is to pray for our leaders. This psalmist prays for the King of Israel. And you and I should take this as a word that we need to regularly, when we are gathered together, pray for our leaders. Here's what he says in verses 8 and 9. He says, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. He's saying, Listen to me, Almighty God. Hear my prayers. This is serious stuff here. And he says, talking about the king, Behold our shield, O God, our protector. Look on the face of your anointed. He's saying, Give your divine favor to the king. Protect him. Give him fruitfulness. Allow him to prosper, knowing that if the king is doing well, the people are doing well. So when we finally make that pilgrimage, whether it is weekly or only a few times a year, and we all gather together as sisters and brothers to worship the Lord, when this happens again, beginning on September 13th, there's lots of things that we are going to do when we're gathered together. One of them should be praying for our leaders. Now, this is either really easy or really hard. It usually depends on whether that leader is someone you voted for or you didn't vote for. Isn't that usually the way that it works? If you vote for the person who's in charge, oh, you can't wait to pray for him or her. Lord, bless this person, give them your favor, allow them to prosper. Please allow them to do the things that they promised to do on the campaign trail. Let them get it done. Those prayers are easy. When it's someone that you didn't vote for, eh, it's a little trickier. The prayers are often different. Lord, I don't even know if this person is saved. If not, will you do something? (laughs) That's not the way we're supposed to do it. There's nothing in here. In fact, there's nothing in God's Word that says, Pray for your leaders if you voted for them. Pray for your leaders if they share your policy views. Pray for your leaders if you like them. There's nothing in there at all. Every passage that talks about praying for leaders has no asterisk. There's no caveats. It is pray. Every single one of us should pray. And so I, and I hope you're doing this too, I pray for President Trump regularly, but I also prayed for President Obama regularly, and President Bush, and President Clinton, and eh, it goes a ways back. Some of you go a little farther back than me. Pray for your leaders. God calls us to do this. He encourages it. I think I can say he commands us to do this. And my prayers for leaders are always the same. Lord, in the case of the president, bless him, lead him to turn to you and seek your wisdom, surround him with godly counselors, and one of the big prayers that I have, again, regardless of who the president is, is allow him to continue leading in a way that gives us the freedom and peace to share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. Don't allow whoever is in charge, whether it's in Washington or Springfield or in one of our neighborhoods here, don't allow whoever is in charge to shut things down or clamp down too tightly so that we as Christians are unable to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what really matters. Inviting people into a relationship with Jesus. Telling them this good news that yes, we're sinners, absolutely, but Even though we need a Savior, we don't have to look far to find one. We have one in Jesus Christ. And all we have to do is acknowledge to Him that we're sinners who need a Savior, and He's that Savior. The Bible calls it repenting of our sins. That's all we have to do, and we are transformed. We are forgiven. We are part of God's family, and we will be with Him forever and ever. That's the message that needs to be spread far and wide. And my regular prayer is that our country, our state, our cities, that these are places where the gospel can continue to go forth. When we are gathered together as Christians, regardless of who the leaders are, regardless of whether we voted for them or like them, we need to be praying for them just like this psalmist. Now, he wraps up this psalm by, again, emoting here. It's sort of overwhelming. It's like he can't help himself. He's so joyous about being in God's house. He can't help but just talk about it. And and I I experience uh, shouting here as I think about this. I'm guessing that that's what he was doing. He loves being in God's house. And so he wraps up this psalm by saying, there is nowhere, better than being in God's presence. Nowhere. No experience on earth that's better than being in the presence of the Lord. There's no place that he would rather be than in God's temple worshiping him. Can we say this about ourselves, that there's nowhere we would rather be than in God's house worshiping with his people? Are we really looking forward to September 13th? Here is how he says it, beginning in verse 10. This is beautiful. Listen to this. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. One day. There's nowhere he would rather be. He says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. He would rather do any sort of service, any job in God's temple than to be in other places where maybe things are a little easier or a little better for him. He wants to be worshiping in person with others. One day in your courts, better than a thousand elsewhere. Is that how we think? Do we as Christians crave that blessing, that joy that comes from being together in God's house, worshiping Him? Over these many months, I think a lot of us have been missing it. A lot of us have been looking forward to in-person worship in one of our campuses again. But once we get there, a few weeks into it, will it become routine or Is there something special about this? And the fact that we lost it for a while, will that change things so that week in and week out, we will say, I can't wait to be there. For many years, I lived in Oak Park, and I went to a church called Calvary Memorial Church. I started going there when I was just dating my wife. And we went with my mother-in-law, and every week we sat in the same pew together and worshiped the Lord, enjoyed fellowship, just hanging out with other people, the prayer and the study of Scripture. I mean, it was great. At Calvary Memorial Church, I was baptized. In that building, I got married, and we had our wedding reception. In that building, my first child was dedicated to the Lord In that building, we also had the funeral for my mother-in-law. So many memories in that building. So many things happened, and every single one of them was focused on Christ. Every single one of them was all about honoring the Lord in everything that we were doing. It was all really about worship, about the sacredness of being in God's house with his people. From that church, I moved on to a church called Village Church of Oak Park. I was part of the team that started it. I was there for several years and it was the exact same thing. Christians gathered together for worship on Sunday mornings and for weddings and funerals and baby dedications and baptisms and meals together. A wonderful, sacred, I've used that word a lot because I think it, it's really fitting. A sacred opportunity for us to be together as followers of Jesus. Here at Village Bible Church, we have several campuses. I'm not sure which one you attend. If you haven't attended one yet, obviously we invite you, if you're able, to come out and worship with us. There's the Aurora, also the El Camino campus, a wonderful place that I actually worshiped in many years ago when I was growing up in Aurora. It's a beautiful place where people love each other and grow in their walk with Jesus. A lot of memories have been made in this building over many years. There's our Indian Creek campus. I've had the pleasure of preaching out there and seeing people who deeply love Jesus, who gather together regularly to encourage each other and help each other grow. In our Plano campus, which is just growing like gangbusters. So many wonderful things going on at our Plano campus. It's the exact same thing. People gather together to worship the Lord, and at the same time, they help each other. They encourage each other. They want to see each other grow in their maturity in Jesus Christ. And our Sugar Grove campus, the one that got the whole thing started many decades ago. Think about that. Decades of faithfulness, of men and women and children gathering together weekly to honor the Lord by worshiping Him together. Not staying apart, not thinking they could do it on their own, but staying together week after week, praying and worshiping the Lord. Whether you're at the Sugar Grove campus, or the Plano campus, or Indian Creek, or Aurora, or El Camino, regardless of which campus is your usual campus, When you get back to in-person worship, one of the things that I think you're going to be reflecting on, and maybe you have been throughout the pandemic, is all of the memories that have been made in these buildings. All of the times that you have worshipped the Lord in these places with sisters and brothers in Christ. That's God at work in our lives and collectively as a body through all of us. The Lord is changing us, molding us, growing us. And the more that happens, the more I think we long to be in his house just like this psalmist. That's why I think we've been missing so much during the pandemic. I have loved the times of Sunday evening worship at our campuses. They're wonderful. I have loved the praise in the parking lot events. And I think I'm getting a glimpse in each of those events of the fact that people like me are missing this, that you're missing this, that you understand there's something beautiful about God's people getting together. It feeds us. It honors him and We should long for this. We should crave it. Like the psalmist, we should yearn for the courts of the Lord. That's my prayer. As we get back to in-person, indoor worship, there are challenges, there are risks. I mean, this is a really uncertain time. Some of us are not going to be able to do this for a while because of health challenges or the risks. We understand. We totally understand. That's one of the reasons why we're working so hard to continue this online worship service for you so you can still be connected to Village Bible Church and still worship even remotely with other believers. We understand that. But for those of you who are able to gather, my hope is... It's not exciting for the first few weeks and then it just gets back into sort of the drab, same old, same old. But that we, like the psalmist, seeing and feeling what we missed over these many months, six months, really, uh, missing Easter, Good Friday, missing all of that stuff, seeing and feeling what we missed, my hope is that our attitude will now be one in which we savor worshiping together in God's house. I hope that we start to see it as a gift each and every week. Maybe we'll go to bed Saturday night a little early just so we're ready to go and well rested in order to worship together and in order to stay alert on Sunday when we're worshiping. Maybe we'll wake up on Sunday morning just jazzed about the fact that we get to worship the Lord. We get to do so in freedom with other people who love Jesus. Like the psalmist, my prayer is that our attitude is one in which we say it is glorious to be able to worship the Lord in his house with his people. I can't wait to get it done and maybe we'll even start thinking about that throughout the week. I just love this phrase that he says. I said it earlier. I think I've already repeated it because I love it so much. It's powerful. It's emotional. It's impactful. And my prayer, and I'm going to close us in prayer here in just a moment, is that this is the attitude that each of us take, that this is from our heart what we really mean. When he says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Oh, Lord God, would that be the truth that comes from each and every one of us? Would we mean that? Not just say it, not just read it. Would we mean that? Lord, it is beautiful to be able to worship with your people.